1943, this beloved and now iconic painting by Norman Rockwell appeared on the cover of the Saturday Evening Post. It was actually the third painting in a series of four that were inspired by uh, President Franklin Roosevelt's State of the Union address that year uh, with his Four Freedoms campaign in the during World War II, and the four freedoms were uh, freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from fear, and then this one was freedom from want. And this was the campaign that our nation was on that uh, inspired Norman Rockwell's painting of, of four particular paintings. And this one in particular has become known to us as Rockwell Thanksgiving, hasn't it? I mean, how many of you have seen this one before, right? I, I think if you look at it, the picture just looks so pleasant, doesn't it? I mean, everybody's, everybody's just so happy. It seems like it just sort of transports us back into an earlier time where it, it seems unscathed by so many of the things that come with our Thanksgiving tables today, Right? I mean, I don't, see any, I don't see anybody missing because of death or divorce. I don't see anybody who's caught up in an addiction that prevented them from coming that day. I don't, of course, they're there, but you don't see it, right? And we never want to lose track of the, of the fact that while that might look so pleasant and cheery, let's remember that that was painted at a time when one in ten Americans were fighting in a war. The picture looks so pleasant. And while the picture looks so pristine, unscathed by a war an ocean away, uh, there are still actually some clues in the picture, if you look at it, that can reveal what some of these people were thinking as they posed for the painting. And I have done some painstaking research this week and have uncovered just some of what some of these people were thinking. The granddad, in fact, who is standing at the head of the table, kind of presiding over the whole thing, doesn't he look look so poised, so relaxed? Look at the nervous smile on his face, though. Because what he's really thinking is this, is I suppose she's going to expect me to come up with some brilliant prayer. How many of you guys have been there? Oh God, don't call on me, don't call on me, right? But you're that guy in the family, so we're going to ask you to pray. Grandma, on the other hand, seems quite pleased with the whole affair. She just effortlessly just lowers... 25 pounds of meat, and I mean, what a beast she is, huh? She just just looks so, so relaxed and so happy about the whole thing, but what she's really thinking is, I've worked for six hours, and these pigs are going to eat it all in less than 20 minutes. Anybody relate? And finally, in the lower right-hand corner, you see this guy who's looking back? He's looking out at you? Well, he can only be thinking one thing, and that is, am I the only one who sees the guy in the corner with the paintbrush? Hello? Should have stopped at the second one. 
Well, that's the little-known story behind the iconic Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving painting, which also became known by the title because of the war, also became known by the title in its time as I'll Be Home for Christmas. I don't know what this Thursday is going to look like for you. I don't know if you'll be surrounded by family and friends who love and esteem one another or some lesser and perhaps much lesser version of that. But whatever it is and wherever you are, I think we can all agree on one thing, and that's that it's a day to give thanks, yes? It's a day to say thank you, God. It's a day to give thanks. And giving thanks is a big part of the Bible. The call to give thanks appears hundreds of times in the Old Testament, and it is revealed in the New Testament as the center of God's will for you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I have people who call me sometime and they say, Tom, I need to meet with you. I need, to help. I need you to help me figure out what God's will is. Well, 1 Peter chapter, or I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So there you have it. To rejoice evermore, to pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, if you're wondering what God's will is for your life, it's rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, and if you do those three things consistently, you will never have to call me and say, would you please help me discern what God's will for my life is. You'll be living in dynamic, authentic, electric relationship with the living God, and that's really what you want, isn't it? Well, I'm going to help you out with the Thanksgiving part today. I'm going to help give you some, uh, some material uh, from the Bible, actually, that will help you. In case you get caught up in one of those scenarios at the table, you know, where somebody gets this romantic idea, let's go around the table and everybody share something we're thankful for. I mean, how many of you hate that as much as I do, you know? Right, no pressure. So I think we're going to look at the Bible so that you have some material so you don't have to go like, well, the Browns are 6-4, and four, okay? You know, I mean, uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, you don't get that stunned look. Turning your Bibles to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. If you have your Bibles, it's right about, it should be right about in the middle of the Bible. It is a collection of 150 different called psalms, which means songs. So it was like the hymnal of the Old Testament, if you will. These were the songs that they sang. And Psalm 118 is filled, filled with material for you to help you in your giving of thanks. And I like to look at Psalm 118 as a Thanksgiving sandwich because it starts and ends with the same verse. Verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Verse 29 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. And so the same verse starts and stops it with all the meat in between. Thanksgiving sandwich. 
You know what I'm talking about? Talking about that turkey with a quarter of an inch of mayonnaise on it, you know. Come on, give yourself permission, right? And I'm not talking Miracle Whip, baby. I'm talking mayo, right? Yeah! Lay it on there thick so it's kind of dripping down the side. And somebody has to say, oh, you got a little something on your face there, man. That's mayo. That's what that is. And that's staying until next Thanksgiving. That's a Thanksgiving sandwich. And that's what this Psalm 118 is. is it's, a, it's a Thanksgiving sandwich. Begins and ends with give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever with the meat in between. But I think before we uh, try to determine what it really means, we ought to establish something. What would that be? The context. When did this thing come? Who wrote this thing? We don't really know, but we have a really good start on the circumstances in which it was born. And to get that, you want to turn to Ezra, toward the front of the Bible, Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3. passage I'm about to read to you is a description of what was going on with the people of Israel after they returned from the Babylonian captivity. For 70 years... They were enslaved to the Babylonians, and they they were carried off from Jerusalem. Their city was destroyed. Their temple was destroyed. And now some 70 years later, they've come back. And they've come back. They've been there a couple of years now. They're rebuilding the wall. They're rebuilding the temple. They're rebuilding their lives. And so what I'm about to read to you now is the basis of Psalm 118. It was the, 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 the... foundation of its birth here. Ezra chapter 3, verse 8. In the second month of the second year after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, that means coming back from Babylon, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Yeshua, son of Josadak, and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites and all who had returned from the captivity to Jerusalem, began the work, appointing Levites 20 years of age and older, to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Yeshua and his sons and brothers, and Cadmiel and his sons, descendants of Hodaviah, and the sons of Henadad, and their sons and brothers, all Levites, joined together in supervising those working on the house of God. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple, remember it's getting rebuilt, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good, His love endures forever. This is the birth of this Psalm 118. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. You know, they thought, will I ever see this again in my lifetime? Will I ever see Jerusalem again, let alone the beginning of the rebuilding of the temple? And they were overcome and they wept aloud while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. So this is the, this is the what? This is the context of Psalm 118. 
This is the bigger picture around which uh, Psalm 118 was written. And so now that we've taken the trouble to do that, with all of that in mind, we can go back to Psalm 118, and we can start to have at it. You ready? All right. What I want to say to you is I think that there are at least ten things in Psalm 118 that you can take to the Thanksgiving table with you this week. Things for which you can be thankful, no matter what's going on in your life. Because some of you are in seasons of gladness right now, right? Some of you aren't. But in either case, these things that I'm going to share with you are things that belong to you because of Christ. Things that belong to you. They're kept in heaven for you. They're unthreatened by the things of the earth or your circumstances. They belong to you. And whether you're up or down, whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, you can be thankful for these things that God has done for you. The first one is that we belong to Him. In Psalm 118, it says, Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. And you see how the expansion of this thing, of those who have the right to say His love endures forever, just goes out. And by extension then, that includes you. They could say that because they belong to God. They were the people of Israel. They were the chosen people. They were His. And so they could say, His love endures forever. They had the spiritual right to say that. And now that's been extended to you, Because of your faith in Christ, you now belong to Him in the same way that they belong to Him. Do you believe that? 1 Peter chapter 2 says, But you are a chosen people. It's talking to you, church. You are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A people belonging to God. That you may do what? Declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Verse 10 says, Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That because of the mercy extended to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and because you say, yes, I repent of my sin, I turn to you, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, His mercy is extended to you, and by that mercy, you now belong to Him. John 1.12 says, yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. Have you received Him? I'm talking to you, church. Have you received Him? Do you believe in Him? Then you belong to Him. Whether it's a high time or a low time, mountaintop or valley, you belong to God. And you can go to the Thanksgiving table this year with that. You're His treasured possession. You believe that? You believe the Bible? That's what the Bible says. Second, Psalm 118 says we can always be thankful for our freedom. Verse 5, In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and He answered by setting me free. Now in context, this was being sung by people who had been in captivity, who were enslaved to the Babylonians. And they called to God, and over time then, He did what? He set them free. He rest- so they were celebrating their freedom. They were celebrating the fact that they cried out to God in their bondage, and he set them free. I want to tell you right now, the Bible says, Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. You know what it says four verses later? And if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, 
you'll be free. There are people sitting in this room right now who one year ago were, were captured by addictions. And today they're free. By the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they're free. They're free. And you can be thankful for that. You can be thankful for that. You can take that one to the Thanksgiving table. Number three, this psalm says that we can be thankful for a victorious outlook that God wants to give to every believer. Verse 6 in Psalm 18, the Lord is with me. I'll not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. What can you do to me? Are you serious? Is that all you got? Now these people, they had endured the captivity of the Babylonians. Now they're back. And they have this victorious, they have this victorious outlook. This spirit that says, if God is for me, who can be against me? And that's the outlook of the believer. That's the outlook of the, of the Christian. Whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley. Whether the sun's shining or it's a dark gray day, your, your perspective is still the same. We know when you're in the valley, when you're struggling with that and you're in the valley, I want you to think of this. God is still my helper. God is still with me. And I wonder how much stronger I'm going to be. I wonder how much higher my next mountaintop is going to be because I was faithful in the valley. That's the victorious spirit. That's the victorious outlook that you want to hold on to. And you want to be thankful to God. Isaiah 54, 17 says, There's no weapon formed against you which shall prosper. Did you get that? No weapon. There's nothing that the world or the enemy himself has that can truly prosper Against you. You believe that? And thank God for it. The strength of God. This Psalm 118 says we can be thankful for that. The strength of God. In verses 8 and 9. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Israel had trusted in themselves. They had trusted in their own kings. They had trusted in their own armies. They had forsaken God. They had come under the judgment of God. And God allowed the Babylonians to come and besiege the city. And God had allowed the Babylonians to come and conquer the city and carry them away. Because they had trusted in man. And what the Bible is saying here now is these people came back and saying, we're never going to do that again. We're going to trust, we're going to trust in the strength of God. And we're going to be thankful for that. And they had that perspective long before Paul By the Spirit of God said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You believe in the strength of God? Whatever you're facing? Yes? Then you'd be thankful for that. Next, this psalm says that we can be thankful for the song and the shout. Did you hear that? The song and the shout. Where do you get that? Verses 13 through 16. I was pushed back and about to fall. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. You catch that? The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. There's a song and there's a shout that these people had when they came back. Back in Ezra, remember... Yet many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' households, the old men who had seen the temple, 
wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, while many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could uh, while, while many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the sound of the weeping of the people, for the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard by many. This is the will of God for us. In our context, in our context, it means you have a song to sing. You got a song, man. You got a song to sing. You got a song. It's in there. You got to shout, Mike. You got to shout inside of you. Some people are still listening for your song, aren't you? Where is my song? Some people are still searching for your shout. Everything changes when you find those two things. Your song and your shout. Whether you're on top of the mountain, down in the valley. Sun shining, gray clouds. You got your song. You got your shout. Because nothing can take that away from you. When's the most important time to sing and shout? When you're in the valley. <laughs> you got a song. You got a shout. I hope when it gets your turn at the Thanksgiving table, one of you will have the guts to say, well, I'm thankful for my shout! <laughs> Jesus! Somebody across the table, well, yeah, it looks like, you know, he got religion. No, I didn't get religion. I got free from religion. I got Jesus living in me. There's a big difference, isn't there? Yeah. Be thankful this Thursday for the promise of heaven. Verse 17. These guys came back from Babylon and they said, I will not die, but live. I will not die, but live. And we'll proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely. They understood that they went to Babylon because of the judgment of God. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. You know what, believer? Your death is conquered. Did you know that? That John 5.24 says that you have crossed over from death to life. It's done. It's done. You have the promise of heaven. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. He said, if that wasn't so, that's one of the things I would have told you. <laughs> he said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. One of his disciples happened to be Thomas, go figure, spoke up and said, Lord, we don't even know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus saying, just stick with me. You're never going to figure out all of heaven. We don't even know where you're going. We don't even know what heaven could be. Nope. Stick with Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. It's an abiding truth. You can always give thanks for that. You can always give thanks for your destination. You ever been on a plane going somewhere exciting? Anybody? Remember how you felt while you were going there? Remember that? It's like, <laughs> we're going to whatever. <laughs> Remember that? Anybody? Been a little giddy? All right, we're going, we're going, we're going. That's where we are, beloved. We're going to heaven. We're on the plane. Jesus is carrying us to heaven. <laughs> there you go. Who said that? Who owed? You may go. Wonderful. 
God bless you. You may preach. Come, sister. Ow! Be thankful for your destination. Be thankful for the capstone. The capstone, verses 22 and 23, Psalm 118, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. It's become the capstone. There were two stones in the building process back in the Iron Age, the cornerstone and the capstone. Now imagine building a foundation with field stones. You know, you got this one that's this big and this one's that big, a variety of stones you have to figure out. Skilled artisans could put all those things together, but when it came to the corner, somebody had to, had to fix it so they all came together. Right? Somebody had to smooth down a side. That's called the cornerstone. And they build up the foundation. And on top of that, they would put a capstone, which connected it all together. A capstone. Come on, if you've ever worked with Legos, you know what I'm talking about, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've got to make it connect. Side. And that's what the capstone. And the capstone was the thing that held the whole foundation together. The building could be built on it. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the capstone. In Luke chapter 20, some people came to Jesus and he said, Well, I am the stone the builders rejected. I'm the capstone. In Acts chapter 4, it said that Jesus is the capstone. Verse 11. Verse 12, it says, For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 2, before that whole, you are a chosen people, it said that Jesus, the stone the builders rejected, is the capstone. The whole church rests on Jesus. Not on you, Harry. Not on whether you're having a good week or a bad week. Not on me. It's on Jesus. And we can be grateful for that this Thursday, yeah? I hope when it gets to be your turn, what are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for the capstone. What, what, what? Jesus is the capstone. You just look at him just about like this. Say, Jesus is the capstone. Come on. Give it up. Give it up. Psalm 118 says, thanks for today. Thank you for today. Thank you for today. Verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. And what? Be glad in it. We got today. Take your pulse. Go ahead. Are you alive? Are you alive? Then you got today. You got today. You're still, you're still here. You got today. Rejoice in it. Make a decision with me and rejoice in it. Maybe you're on the mountaintop. Maybe you're in the valley. Maybe the sun's shining. Maybe the clouds are gray. Make a decision and rejoice. Either way, yeah? Because you got today. You know, we lost some this year. There are some of our beloved who aren't among us this year. They were with us last Thanksgiving. And now they're with Jesus. Praise God they're with Jesus, yeah? Praise God. Their faith was in Christ. And we have every confidence of knowing that they're, they're, at, a, they're at a better Thanksgiving table, yeah? But you know what? You're still here. You've got today. And you can do something they can't do. You can still bring light into darkness. They can't. You can still affect the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you got today. What are you thankful for? Today. Psalm says, be thankful for gathered worship. That we can come together and worship God. If you look at verse 25, 
They, they switch to a plural pronoun. They say, O oh Lord, save us. O oh Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're lifting up the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and, we are, and he has made us, his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You know what a privilege it is that we have to come together and sing our songs and shout our shouts and do our dance. What a privilege it is that we have. The believers in every country don't have this privilege of just coming together. And churches even in this country don't all have people like this who come and set this table for you. You know this stuff doesn't just fall out of heaven, right? You know these people get here really early in the morning and they cook this turkey so you guys can eat it up in 20 minutes. You know that, right? You get this, right? And we got to be grateful for that. And we got to be grateful that we, get, that we get to worship this way. And then finally this psalm says, be thankful for time alone with God. Verse 28, it switches back to the singular. For you are my God, and I will give you thanks. You're my God, and I will exalt you. When I'm with all these people, I will. But also when I'm alone. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know what? What? Be still. Be still. Be still. Slow it down out there, you guys. Slow it down out there. Get yourself stopped somewhere. Get before the Lord. Get your Bible open on your lap. Say, here am I, Lord. I want to be still before you. And show me that you're God. Okay. Well, here's a short list for you to take to the Thanksgiving table with you. Thursday's coming. Ready or not. You might be excited about it. You might be dreading it. You might be one of those families, oh, we just love to be together and we're just so cool. It's just, I can't wait. And you might be one of those families that goes, man, I sure hope Aunt So-and-So doesn't come this year. She always messes. I just pray you're not Aunt So-and-So, you know, I mean... But it's coming. And it's possible that somebody might just say, what are you all thankful for? You're up there somewhere. There's something on that list for you. I don't know what season you may be in. Whether you're in a season of gladness, time of sadness, season of exuberance, or depression. Fact remains, whatever season we're in, it's time to give thanks. It's time to give thanks Thanksgiving will come easier for some of you because of the emotional place you're in right now. But the call is still the same for all of us. It's time to give thanks. Whatever the season you may be in, just be thankful for the things that are unthreatened by anything on earth because they're the things that God has secured for you in heaven. You thankful? Are you thankful? Father in heaven, we bow before you to give you thanks. We praise you, even if your hand never moved, even if you never twitched, even if you never moved a muscle, O Lord, we would praise you for who you are. But your hand has moved. You have extended your hand to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And for that, we thank you. You have reached into our predicament, into our sin, and you have You've brought about forgiveness. You have reached into our troubles. And you have brought freedom. 
You have reached into us in our pain and you've brought comfort. You've reached into us in our death and you've made a place for us in heaven. And so we come to you now in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, just to thank you. We'll praise you, Lord. We'll praise you all of our days. But just today, we just stop to think about what you have done. And we just stop to say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just come in the power of your Holy Spirit now and release our song and release our shout so that you can extract from this church the thanksgiving that's due your name. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. On your feet, church, let's thank you.